Hey, friends. As we approach the festive holiday season, I wanted to take a moment to express how thankful I am that you keep coming back here week after week. Thank you so much. In the spirit of the holidays and to ensure I can fully embrace the joy and chaos of this season, I'll be taking a short break during the month of December. However, fear not, I've prepared a special treat for you. Throughout this month, I'll be revisiting some of my favorite episodes from the past, a curated selection that I hope brings joy and inspiration to you. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with Fred Joyle, talking about how to be super bold in 90 days. It was one of my most favorite conversations, and a lot of the things we talked about, they still stick with me, and I just want to bring them to you again. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the replay of this conversation. I'll be back with fresh, exciting content in the new year. And until then, I'm wishing you a joyful, cocktail-filled holiday season. Cheers, guys. You've heard me say it time and time again. The people you meet will change your life and networking is how you meet those people. But how many opportunities to meet someone have you missed? Because you were too shy to approach someone you didn't know? Because you hesitated and then the moment was gone? Have you missed the opportunity to walk up to someone famous or that you really admire because you just couldn't get yourself to do it? I think we all have. But what would our lives be like if we never missed an opportunity like that again? Welcome to episode 94 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, and today I'm joined by Fred Joyle, author, speaker, entrepreneur, and business advisor, to discuss his new book, Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. This episode is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, PR, and communications agency with team members in Boston, Los Angeles, Miami, and New York City. Visit them at nickersoncos.com. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. When you are asked, are you shy or are you bold, most people would answer, oh, I'm somewhere in between. But that answer is like saying you're a little bit pregnant. Because honestly, in situations, we either act shyly or we act boldly. There is no in between. You either spoke up or you didn't. You either hesitated or you didn't. There is no middle ground. The definition of the word bold as it relates to a person, action, or idea is showing an ability to take risks to be confident and courageous. Would you describe yourself as bold? What about super bold? Are a lucky few born with this ability or can we all tap into it? Well, my guest today thinks that boldness is a gift, but not something that you are gifted with or born with, but a gift we can all give ourselves. That boldness can indeed be learned. I'm very excited to get into this conversation to discover how we can all become super bold. Fred, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you, Julie. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. So I did my research on you. You did. I did. I always do. (laughs) I love research. And I know that you, even though you wrote a book called Super Bold, were not born bold. You say that you were painfully shy as a child. Talk a little bit about that and how you discovered your own boldness. I just, for whatever reason, I was a very shy person as a teenager, as a young adult, very underconfident, missed a lot of opportunities because I wasn't bold, because I couldn't step up. I was always hesitating and things would slip away. I couldn't ask a girl out. Uh, I It was painfully difficult to even ask a girl to dance. I processed rejection really badly, uh, really uh, very personally. And, I, and it frustrated me because I saw bold people and I thought, why are they like this? I mean, why don't they experience life like I do? Why, why are they not stopping themselves? And that's what I figured out is I was the one stopping me. And so I just started pushing myself into my discomfort zone and was rewarded for it. I realized I was basically wrong about all the bad things that are going to happen that we tell ourselves, oh, it's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be humiliating. People are going to laugh at me. Bold people never worry about those things because they decide they're irrelevant. They realize embarrassment is a choice. Feeling humiliated is a choice. And once you know that, you start to come up with alternatives to experiencing that. And then all of a sudden you're on stage. Now it took me years to get there. I studied stand-up and acting and improv comedy. I did all of these things to build my boldness muscle, but anybody can do it. If I can do it, I'll go toe to toe with anybody who says, Oh no, I'm really shy. It's like, let me, let's talk about who's, who was, who behaved in a more shy way. In, in the course of their life, you know? So uh, this, is, this is how I got here. And I, what I did is compress it based on, instead of decades, you can learn it in months mm-hmm. and then have a, the skill to keep building and building your boldness for the rest of your life. There's a word that comes up in your book over and over and over again. And that word is hesitation. Yes. Can you tell us why that is such an important word? It's because it's the opportunity killer. (laughs) Uh, There are many, many times in your life, important times where windows open and close, whether it's to meet somebody or to speak up or to step up to a certain situation or to say yes to fun, adventure, opportunity, and if you hesitate long enough, they go away and they will gnaw at you. They, you know, the most common thing people say in their last days of their life is they talk about not the, the regrets of the things that they did, the mistakes they made, the money they lost and things like that. The regrets they have are the things they didn't say, the things they didn't do, the things they didn't try. Mm-hmm because they, they were afraid of, of failure or they thought they had more time. That's the other great myth is thinking we have more time. We'll get to it. We won't get to it mm-hmm. <laughs> most Always. of the time, especially if the window closes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 
aggressive about looking at those times in your life when you hesitated and the, the opportunity just slipped away mm -hmm. and you look back and you went, oh, I should have, I could have met that person. All I had to do was walk up and say this, or I should have given a eulogy for my dad. And I just sat there because I was afraid of public speaking, like it's some sort of performance or something. Yeah, I know you talk about that in the book, that that's, yeah. you hesitated to do that and that stays with you. Yeah. So I'm sure not for, for everybody, it's not eulogizing a parent, but it's something else that they look back and say, I'm, I'm so upset that I didn't do that, that I, I didn't step into that when it was available to me. Yeah, it could have been asking for a raise or a promotion. Mm -hmm. It could have been quitting that job with that asshole boss. It could have been asking that person to marry you or asking that person to divorce, to divorce you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it takes boldness to say, I think we need to go our separate ways uh, or, or fix this. To say to it takes boldness to say what you want in a relationship. I even talk about you know having sex in in the book. Is like if you can't ask for what you'd like sexually in a relationship, how can you expect it to happen? Right. You have to be bold enough and 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 feel safe enough to do those things. So some of it is being in a space where you feel safe. So yeah, and and. and Boldness is something you build gradually. I can't just say to somebody, oh, be a lot bolder. Because mm -hmm. people said that to me. It's just relax, just be confident. It's like, if I could do that, I would. Yep. So what I created in the book was a step-by-step -step yep. gradual process, a series of exercises that start very simply and build your boldness muscle so that you can, you, you're not so deep in your discomfort zone that you retreat into your shell for the next year. Right. So in the book, you call it the pride method of becoming yeah. super bold. And that's an acronym. Pride is an acronym. Can we go through the steps of the pride method? Yes, by all means. The pride stands for preparation, relaxing, insight, dosage, and everyday action. Okay. And so preparation. Well, for some reason, we don't think we need to be prepared in social situations. <laughs> we prepare to get a driver's license. We prepare to, to get into college. We prepare for all of these things. But somehow we think we're supposed to be born with social skills, mm -hmm. raised by parents who probably didn't have good social skills, exactly. you know, and, and in yeah. high school with people who had terrible social skills. It's like somehow, where, where is this supposed to come from? Mm -hmm. And what stops people... What causes hesitation is people say, well, I wouldn't know what to say. And I say, because you're trying too hard. Mm -hmm. You're trying to be impressive and clever and interesting. How about be nice? <laughs> yep. uh, it's really easy to be nice. Hi, I'm Fred. I'd really like to meet you. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Fred. Those are really interesting glasses you have. I wonder where you got them. Yeah. It, prepare something. So I'm using an example of just meeting a stranger. It's really simple. But if you see a famous person that you want to talk to, let's say it's a, a, you see Tom Hanks and you say, geez, I would really love to tell him how great he is. So don't run over and say, can I get a selfie with you? Because <laughs> he's tired of that. Okay. Yeah. He'll, but if you come over and say, and I've done exactly this, 
I just wanted to tell you I'm really enjoying uh, From the Earth to the Moon, that series that you produced. Mm -hmm. This was back when he had done that. Yeah. Uh, I said, I can't wait for each episode. And he didn't say, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. He said, thank you so much. He says, it's such a labor of love. I really love hearing that people are enjoying it. And he was with Rita, his wife. And we ended up talking for five minutes about the show and, and how committed he was to it and how it had evolved from Apollo 13 and all of that. At no point, I, I certainly could have said, do, can we take a picture together? And he would have said, yeah, sure. Yeah. But I don't need a picture with him. I don't need to pretend that we're buddies. Right. You had the experience. Right. But what I did is I prepared one. I knew his name. The worst thing people do with actors, they go, hey, hey, what's your name? It's like, don't do that. That's insulting. Right? Like, yes, you, I recognize you as famous and I want to stand next to a famous person, but I can't remember your name. Right. So preparation. Step one, prepare what you're going to say. Prepare what you're going to asking for a promotion or a raise or whatever. Prepare mm -hmm. yourself. The second step is relaxing. And a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to relax yourself because they, when you realize you're nervous and anxious or somebody else points it out, they say, you need to relax. You go, oh, oh, shit, it shows <laughs> that I'm nervous. Now I'm even more nervous. Now I'm even more anxious. But if you just check your physiology and we tense up, we, we tense our body in all sorts of weird ways. We fold our arms, we cross our legs, we, we block our genitals with our hands, we, our shoulders are up around our, our neck and we're adding tension and you can just shake it off. I'm backstage and I'm just shaking myself mm -hmm. loose before I hit the boards. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's really important to do is to breathe to realize the power of two or three deep breaths to relax you. And I teach, there's more techniques that I teach in the book, but that basic thing of just breathing calms you down. And when you start to calm yourself, mm -hmm. you suddenly say, oh, I'm in control of my state. I've shaken off the physical tension in my okay. body. And now you, so you move in the other direction into, into relaxing. And what you do over years of developing this, which is what I took, is that anxiety is we transform it into energy. When I hit the stage, I'm not like super relaxed and, and <laughs> you know, like a sloth. I'm fully I'm taking mm -hmm. all of that. What would have been an anxiety and turning it into stage energy. Yeah. I heard recently, because I listened to a speaker's podcast, and I heard a really great story from another speaker who, when he was in theater school, was always nervous before going on. And his professor, his teacher said, your nervousness is selfishness to the audience because you're making it about you when what you're doing on stage is about the audience. So you holding on to that, that nerves and making it about you is really selfish. And I thought that was a great way to put it because everybody is going to have some level of fear and anxiety before public speaking or before doing something big and bold, but you have to re you have to re-examine the way you look at it. Yeah. And I just, taught a two-day speaker training course. And, and people said, well, I'm really nervous being on stage. And I said, if you weren't, it would be a sign of mental illness. 
You, yeah. If you're not nervous for the first few times or the first hundred times getting yeah. in front of people, that you you have a dissociation thing yeah. going on. But again, it is about being generous to your people. And, then, and this leads right to the I in the pride method, which is insights, which is nothing bad happens. One of the key insights is nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it that way. Mm. I've walked onto stage with my shirt half untucked and a wire dangling from me because they called me on stage while the guy was putting the lav mic on me. <laughs> and I didn't notice for yeah. 10 minutes, but it didn't stop me. Right. And the best example I have is a, a, a woman I know, she's on stage, a few hundred people, about 10 minutes in, she breaks her high heel. And the, there's an audible gasp in the room from the women because this is horrifying. Sure. So what does she do instead of running off stage or panicking or showing anything about like, oh my gosh, this happened. She looks down, kicks her shoes off and says, well, I guess I need to start spending more than 30 bucks on shoes. <laughs> yep. That's, that's a classic example of- yeah embarrassment and humiliation are a choice and nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it that way. she owned that audience at that point mm -hmm. because they because they this is what people on stage have to realize the audience admires you for being up there so just relax and enjoy it mm -hmm. and 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 roll with everything because they don't know what she could have broken her heel on purpose because she had that prepared. Who the heck knows? Right. Right. Which would have been brilliant, by the way. <laughs> um, I've been tempted to go on stage with my fly down many times and then like then just say my mom has been trying to cure me of this for decades, you know. <laughs> but but that's in the, so key insight nothing bad happens unless you label it that way. Other big insight is people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much nope. as you think they are. They're thinking about themselves. Yep. And why worry about what complete strangers are thinking? Are they, could they possibly be accurate? I, I'm inaccurate 90% of the time. Cause I, we all walk around and we judge people. Oh, this, mm -hmm. that tall person, that funny haired person, those funny glasses, that funny outfit, wh whatever the heck it is, we're wrong about who they are. Right. Because of we we do in this snapshot judgment about them and mm -hmm. defining them. And, and I have found that when I meet the person, I I'm completely wrong. Yeah. And so yeah. I laugh at myself when I do it. And actually, one of the things when I love talking to strangers now, and I love complimenting them, but mm -hmm. now I compliment the thing that I have the judgment about. Mm -hmm. If I think their glasses or their hat looks stupid, I am going to say that that hat is really working for you. That it looks great on you. And you know what? It changes my opinion of them. It's not stupid yeah. anymore. It's I'm stupid, right? For having the judgment. I and constantly I, it, talk it, to strangers. I love it. I just did it the other day. I would pulled into a parking lot and a woman had this beautiful candy apple red Mini Cooper. And I used to own a Mini Cooper and I just walked up to her and I was like, I miss my Mini Cooper. And we just sat there and talked about how fun it is to drive. And like, now I have to have a big car because I got big dogs and all this stuff. It was just this great stranger interaction. I, I love talking to strangers. It's why I like the singles line when I'm skiing. 
because I every chair ride is a new stranger. <laughs> like I love it. And but but the thing that what you just said is the essence of why that works is you have no agenda for the conversation except to connect with another human being, maybe make them feel good about themselves. That's it. Oh, I need to meet somebody. This is what people do when they they see somebody they want to meet. The agenda is forward. The Mm -hmm. need for an outcome is so in front that it repels the other person. Yeah. So have no agenda. It's another key insight. Don't have an agenda when you are pursuing these things. Mm -hmm. You are going to do your best. You are going to be bring your full self to the situation. And bold people just they do all that stuff to see what happens Mm -hmm. because they've learned that it's the undiscovered, unanticipated stuff that happens. It is that is so interesting and so unique. Because you'll meet somebody that you'll say, I'm going to go walk over and talk to this person. And they're not anybody that you would benefit from necessarily meeting, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. that happens. But then they say, you know who you need to meet, Julie? You need to meet Tom. Mm -hmm. This guy over here. Do you know Tom? No. no, What is he? he? Oh, he's got this and this and this. Come over. I'm going to introduce you. Yep. And and it happens so often that you just go, I'm going to trust that is, yep. it could happen, but I don't need it to happen. I don't need anything from somebody except to make them feel connected to another human being and to feel interesting. Interesting to make somebody else feel interesting is hugely powerful. Yep. Yes. So the D in the pride method, the fourth letter is dosage. And we talked a little bit about it. It's which is controlling the intensity of that the bold exercise, the bold experiment, the bold move so that you don't overdose yourself, that you don't clam up and become tongue-tied and retreat into your prison of rejection. (laughs) It's just working your way up. Just like if you were exercising you and you say, I want to build up my chest. So you don't start by trying to bench press 300 pounds because the bar is going to fall on your throat and kill you. Uh, and and it, it it's the same thing with anything you you control that the intensity of it i, I mean the exercises are all based on how they teach improv comedy mm-hmm. which is it starts non-verbally people say how the heck could you walk on stage and create a scene well you don't start by walking on stage and trying to create a scene you learn the fundamentals and you do baby steps. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, three months later, you're walking on stage creating a scene with somebody mm-hmm. because you you learned how to do it, but you started non-verbally. You started with very simple things and controlled the dosage of it. And that's, that's the way I, there's five levels of exercise in the book that are about starting this basically and then once you feel comfortable now the next discomfort zone mm-hmm. is waiting for you and this next tier of exercises and so that's the dosage principle the final step is everyday action mm-hmm. and the, the it, this is a life skill to understand that if you want to achieve something you want to be good at something work at it every day get to it every day. If you get to it for five minutes, even 
if you do one boldness exercise a day, if you learn three words of Spanish a day, right. you will suddenly a year from now be speaking conversational Spanish. Right. Because yep. if you can learn a thousand words in a language, you can have a conversation if you mm -hmm. pick the right words, obviously. But there's something really powerful that happens when you do something every day is your brain says, this is who I am mm -hmm. versus a dilettante, a dabbler, a weekend warrior, or, uh, you know, and people say, oh, I'll do it when I, when I feel up to it. And I was like, and I say, really, if you exercised when you felt like it, how yeah. often would you exercise right. twice a year, maybe, right. maybe five, you have to get to it. And that's the other thing. And, and you're, when your brain says, okay, this is what we're going to do. You don't have to decide whether to do it or not. And you, and you fixed the number one problem human beings have, which is starting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have so much trouble starting anything that's even in, that, that we want to get to that's right. important to us, right? Because it's challenging. And also there's a fear of failure and, and all of that embedded in it. But there's also like, oh, no, I need to be perfect before I start. This perfectionism is what holds shy people mm -hmm. back more than anything. Is they're afraid to, to present themselves to the world unless they're, until they're perfect. Bold, yep. people, they're, bold people are always a work in progress. There's a humility to being bold. It's like, I'm just getting, I'm just getting better. So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to ready, fire, aim until I hit. Mm -hmm. And and whereas the perfectionist says, no, I, it's not ready it's yet. Right. And try starting a business that way. Yeah. Because as soon as you do think it's perfect, then you launch it and the market says, uh, not That's not interested. what I wanted. Yep. <laughs> That's not what I wanted. Yeah. You talk about social skills being really important in being super bold. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, because a lot of them, a lot of people don't know simple fundamental things like making eye contact, even just shaking hands like with a normal handshake, staying focused on that person that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. This is so powerful. It, you can make somebody feel like the most interesting person in the room simply by staying completely focused on them, listening to them without preparing what you're going to say next. Mm -hmm. And and then when you and by just asking open-ended questions that get them to talk about themselves. And when they say something, you know, like I love people saying what's the most interesting thing that's happened to you this month? And they'll they'll have to think about it. And then oh, you know, oh, you know, I just realized I I got back from Rome at the, at the end of last month and it was just the, one of the greatest weeks of, of my life. Now, what a lot of people do is then they play ping pong. They go, oh, it's my turn to talk about being in Rome. Rome. Yep. And the worst thing you can do is play top this. It's like, yep. oh, I was in Rome and I, you know, I had a private audience with the Pope. Uh, it's like, <laughs> and the guy goes, well, I just ate a lot of pasta and drank yep. espresso and ate gelato. That's all I did. Paletti so, de bacala. Yeah. Um, and and so instead, five words. Tell me more about that. Yeah. That is the power right there. If you resist throwing in your side of the story and say, tell, tell me more about what, what was so interesting about mm -hmm. it. What did you do that you can't wait to go back and do again? Learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. They will think you're the most interesting person they've met all night. Yeah. 
and they will know nothing about you. I've had it happen so many times. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They'll go to yeah. say, you got to meet Fred. He's fascinating. And what is <laughs> you? I, I, I don't know. No <laughs> yeah. But, but it, and if, because why not enliven people? Why not find that thing yeah. that, that they're charged up about, that they're passionate about, that they experienced? And, and that you can start to offer stuff. And if you find your, this is the other thing we do, is especially shy people, is when we finally get to talk, we monologue. We like, we're, we're off and running. We don't leave a breath of fresh air in between for them to say, uh, okay, then. Um, yeah, um, we, we got, we, we disgorge because we're not, this is, this goes back to, we're not shy. We behave in a shy way. Right. We're not shy with our parents. We're not shy with our life mate or our friends. We're shy. We behave in a shy way in certain situations where we don't feel like we belong or we're enough. Mm-hmm. terrible messages to tell yourself, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, but we just need to settle into that and, and realize that we are enough. One of the things I tell people is one of the most powerful mantras you can tell yourself is I belong everywhere, wherever you are, I belong here. And that's that because we're constantly telling ourselves, oh, he doesn't want to meet me. She's not interested in me. This isn't going to work. This person won't buy from me. Um, mm-hmm. And and I've been in rooms with incredibly successful people, 10 times, 100 times more successful than me. And I don't tell myself I don't belong there. I may not even be dressed appropriately. And I'll just I won't tell myself mm-hmm. I don't I don't belong here. I'll just talk to them because they're all human beings. Mm-hmm. I, I went on like twists and turns here, but that, but the, the monologuing thing is a, is a reflex because you are finally not, you don't have to be shy anymore. You can mm-hmm. finally talk. Yeah. And as soon as you stop, you see yourself monologuing, stop yourself and say, but you know, I'm more interested in that. I get excited about this, but I'm more interested in, in, in Rome. Tell me more about Rome. Just, yeah. and they'll go, oh my gosh, she's self-aware. She knew she was babbling, but she stopped herself. So I don't have to run. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will say I, I do that because I get so excited that we have something in common because I'm like a commonality person. I think commonality breeds the friendship and the trust. And so when I find out that we have something in common, I'm like, oh my God, me too, me too. Like, and I, and I want to word salad all over them about it. So I, that is something I know that I've recognized in myself that I have to dial back, that I have to, I have to do what you say, tell me more about it and then wait for my turn to speak. <laughs> yeah. And you can come at, this is the other thing that I talk about as a social skill is, is you don't have to barf everything about the whole thing. You could say, yeah, I was in Rome too and found this terrific back alley restaurant, but where did you like to eat? Mm-hmm. And what happens is you've created suspense, just like a good storyteller. They, mm-hmm. They're eventually going to go, well, but wait a minute, what was the back alley restaurant yeah, that you yeah. went to? Uh, and there's nothing wrong with you bringing your excitement to something because that's one of the beautiful things about you mm-hmm. uh, is, is, and what, what people enjoy is that they don't want somebody who's dull, who's, who's lackluster about everything right. to, if they're forced to talk to them. But it's just, 
knowing when to stop yourself, knowing that you can roll this out in pieces yeah. and add a little suspense to it. And now it's more of a tennis match, but you're lobbing over and they're getting to whack the ball back. Mm -hmm. So when you talked about dosage, you mentioned some boldness exercises in the book. Can you give us an example of when people buy your book and they're going to be taking this journey to being bold in 90 days, an example of an exercise that they will have to go, you know, perform on their journey to becoming super bold? One of the simplest things to do, and it attacks that, oh no, uh, I, I, something terrible is going to happen reflex is to every time you see a, a sign on a door that says employees only go in just walk right in nothing okay. bad will happen it's an exercise to first as you do it listen to the voice in your head it's like oh i can't do that oh i can't go in there's a sign that's right there's a sign there's no it, it, you're not breaking the law you are just walking through a door and as you, and the only thing keeping you out is the words on the door. It's if it's locked, you're obviously not getting in, okay. but go in. But most that's going to happen is somebody's going to ask you to leave. How horrible is that? You didn't, you're not an employee, right? So you're deliberately setting yourself up for what you would call failure to get thrown out and you'll find Nine times out of 10, nobody says anything because you went past the sign. So you must belong there. <laughs> the, the, the most they'll say is, can I help you? And you'll say, like I do it in grocery stores all the time, yeah. just as an exercise too. And it says employees only, you go back there and people, somebody will be back there and finally say, can I help you? And I'll just say something stupid, like I'm looking for bananas. <laughs> and they'll say, they're... Uh, out on the produce section. Uh, oh, okay, thanks. Or, or I'm looking for the restroom and they'll say, no, whatever. That's like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's an exercise and there is no harm being done anywhere. But most of the, nobody's going to beat you to death. Nobody's going to attack you in any way. And a lot of times they're not going to say anything. I have walked through and into more places where nobody said anything because I just walked through there and acted like I belong there. And all it is, is it's defeating this mm -hmm. thing in your head that says, oh no, I, I have to, I can't go in there. Never be the one to stop yourself. If it's something you want to do, if it's something important, don't you be the one to stop yourself. This is what bold people know mm. is they are, they are never the ones to stop themselves. They'll let somebody else stop them mm -hmm. or try to. Mm -hmm. oh, that's and it's amazing how much more happens mm. and how much more interesting stuff happens. And you just say, wow, this is, especially if you're just going someplace and you know, odds are they're going to stop you or they're going to throw you out. All you, you tried, but you failed, right? But it, it's no different than if you didn't try, right? <laughs> Except right. there's a big difference in that, you tried because what bold people know is what bothers them is not trying, trying and failing and trying succeeding are similar in their minds. 
Yeah. Cause trying and failing, man, I took a swing and I missed I you know, I got to do this a little better, you know, mm-hmm. uh, next time I'll try to, when I try to walk in the line, I'll walk in backwards and see if they notice that I'm not walking out. I'm actually walking in. All right. It's like that thing of not stopping yourself and noticing when you do, because that's what the thing about the employees only thing is. What's really stopping you from walking in is not the sign. It's you're telling yourself you can't go in. Mm-hmm. And you want to, you, you, if you start to defeat that in your life, you'll go, wow, I really stopped myself a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's got to end. Right. Because important stuff's going to happen. And then you're really going to stop yourself whether it is the eulogy for a parent or I've been at funerals where people say, does it, you know, people have gotten up and spoken yep. and they say, does anybody else want to say anything? And a lot of times nobody, nobody will say anything because they yeah. think it's the public speaking event. It's like, yeah. no, this is your last chance yeah. to get up and say how you felt about this person. Oh, I might cry. Oh, wouldn't that be terrible? Everyone will just leave. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? But we have all of this. Oh, it'd be so humiliating if I cried. Hey, I, I cried delivering my mother's eulogy. What was inhuman about that? Right. It would have been fairly inhuman to not choke up. Right. Delivering a eulogy for my mother. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I'm super excited about this book. I'm super excited about the exercises for the listeners to listen and Hopefully some of them take on, take on this challenge of this 90 day challenge to become super bold. Where can people learn more about you? Uh, Fredjoyle.com. This, which is, I'm Fred Joyle, everything. I'm Fred Joyle (laughs) on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, You know, I'm a marketing guy. So I, I grab my name early everywhere. Good thing your name's not Julie Brown. Yes. Not as easy to get juliebrown.com. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Yes. And the other interesting and exciting thing for me that I'm doing is I'm doing a two day Super Bowl workshop in June in Los Angeles, the 24th and 25th. So people who really want to accelerate this process for themselves, they can join up for this workshop. They can learn more about it on my website and, and just talk to me on my website. You can sign up uh, you know, and schedule a half an hour conversation yeah. with me. And let's figure out if this is for you, if you're ready for this or, or what you need to understand about this, it's going to be limited to just 40 people. So okay. it's going to be really transformational and extremely interactive. You will be changed That's <laughs> um, great. for the better. Right. And you'll come away with the life skill of how to build your boldness more and more and more, but with a real taste of how to how you you can break through that's great okay so i'll put that in the show notes and i hope everybody checks it out fred this was great thank you so much i had so much fun i love talking to professional speakers because it's easy for me (laughs) because i have to do very little (laughs) to to pull everything out of us i have to do very little to have great content so thank you so much for coming on oh it's my pleasure julie it's great to meet you thanks you too i loved this episode. I might actually say it was one of my most favorite conversations I've had on the podcast. What you might not know, unless you do as much research into the guests as me, and why would you, is that Fred is one of the founders of 1-800-DENTIST. 
He literally jokes about how he was so shy as a young adult that he couldn't make sales calls for the company that he worked at. But then he went and founded a company that relies solely on the telephone and sales via telephone to be profitable. One thing that Fred said that has stayed with me is that embarrassment is a choice. No one is telling you that you need to be embarrassed or that you're supposed to be embarrassed. We are deciding that for ourselves, just like we decide whether to hesitate or to act. There are so many things in life that we have control over, and yet we miss so many opportunities because we hold ourselves back. This book is filled with so many reasons why you should cultivate your boldness. But one of the reasons is that if you don't, you are not just depriving yourself of experience, friendship, job opportunities, relationships, camaraderie, but you are depriving others of the experience of you. You have something fun to offer the world. There are people out there who would love to know you, but they may never meet you because you are hiding or simply hesitating. So go on, take the 90-day challenge and let me know what has changed in yourself and in your life at the end of it. Okay, on to the drink of the week, which was pretty easy to find. I just Googled bold cocktail and a couple riffs on the old fashion came up. This one is called the bold fashion. Here's what you're going to need. Two ounces of straight bourbon whiskey, a quarter ounce of Demerama, Demer, how the fuck do you say? Demerara? I'm going to call, I'm just going to say simple syrup because maybe this is like, because this is literally just like simple syrup and I'm not saying that word again, okay? Two dashes of aromatic bitters and one dash of orange bitters. Combine all ingredients in a glass and stir. Serve on the rocks and garnish with an orange twist. All right, friends. Wasn't this fun? I had such a great time today. I hope you did too. Sometime between now and next week, make sure you walk into some door that says employees only and let me know what happens. Until then, cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.